As you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. off uh, with the word. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you. We thank you and we do give you all praise and we give you all glory for all things, Lord. We love you so much. And God, I pray you would use me this morning. I pray you would give me words to speak, Lord, and just to deliver the message that you might have for everybody here today. I pray that lives are changed, that hearts are touched, and I pray, Lord, that people leave here differently to how they arrived, God. We just love you, and just for everything that goes on in this place, we give you all praise and we give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So welcome everybody. Uh, It's my absolute honor and privilege to be here this morning and to be kicking off our new series, Uh, I Am a Big Hypocrite. I am a big hypocrite and I'm super excited about uh, this series. You know, when we're actually uh, putting these series together, when Pastor is putting these series together... They're all uh, with the intention that things are going to be different for you. You know, we're going to help you uh, to change and to grow in the Lord. And that includes us as well. You know, we're very, very much uh, on the receiving end of everything that's spoken from this platform as well. We're very open. We're very transparent uh, about that. And, you know, we're all in the same place and we're all obviously looking to get closer to the Lord. Now, some series, like the last series, Pray It Forward, uh, are quite instructional. You know, we'll take a topic like prayer, we'll break it down, and we will teach how to pray, how not to pray, areas of your life to pray in. So they're kind of instructional. Other series, like this one, uh, of which I'm a great fan, I'll be honest, are the ones that challenge us. These are the ones that really make us look at ourselves uh, and, and have us turn to the Lord and say, Lord, change me. Okay, And that's what this series is going to be about. So uh, I'm a big hypocrite. It is going to be a challenging series, I can promise you that. And it is a series that I know really will change you if you allow it to do so. Because that's what we have to do. We have to allow God to work on us. Now, hypocrisy is for sure a very challenging subject. And it's one that we can be very, very defensive about. And when I say we, I really do mean me. I include myself in that. Now, let me uh, give you an example of that. and Let, let me be honest with you. Um, a week or so ago, Megan came into the office while I was working in there. She said, Pete, I need your help. So, I went through to the back. I said, what? She said, I need to take your photograph. I said, okay, it's fine. What's that for? She said, a promo. I said, okay, that's fine. So she took the photograph. uh, And then two weeks later, uh, two days later, this appeared in my email. (laughs) I am a big hypocrite. Now, the only upside to that was that when I received that in my email, Miss Nancy received that in her email. So uh, there was two of us big hypocrites together. Uh, But the point I'm making is this. When I first saw that, I did not like it. I didn't like it. It didn't feel right inside of me. It turned something inside of me. And my my flesh wanted to say, whoa there, hang on a second. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not a hypocrite. You're going to stick that 15-foot poster on the back of the wall saying that I'm a big hypocrite. I'm not a hypocrite. And the truth is, obviously, I'm a hypocrite. Just by saying I'm not a hypocrite makes me a hypocrite. All right, so it's, it's been a process. It didn't take me very long, but I came very, very quickly to the conclusion, yes, I am a hypocrite. And that's great, because now I've said it, I've said it. So I'm the one person so far in the room that's actually admitted to being a hypocrite. And it's a freeing thing. So this series, as I said, is going to make you a little uncomfortable. We're going to be talking about hypocrisy. And as I said, it's a delicate subject, if you like. We're going to be delivering everything during the whole course of this month. Every part of the series is going to be delivered with love. And it's going to be delivered in such a way that, you know, it's just going to have you ask questions about you, about yourself, and about your own life. Making you uncomfortable, we don't do that for the sake of making you uncomfortable. If you sit down on a sofa and you've got one of the sofa springs digging into the back of your thigh, what is it you do? You move. 
And that's really what we're hoping and planning to do during the course of this service. We, series, we want to make you just a little bit uncomfortable so that you move. So that you move from where it is that you are right now to closer to where it is that you need to be. And that's the idea behind series like this. It's to help you to move along in your Christian walk. Now everybody here, including myself, we're all on a journey. And we all have room for improvement. And I've said this before, that if you go to a hospital, you're going to see a whole bunch of sick people. Now, when you go to hospital, you're not going to see a whole bunch of sick people pretending to be okay. You're going to see a whole bunch of sick people being sick who are there to be healed. And that's very much like church. That's how church should be. You know, we're all sick. We're all in the same hospital together. We all basically are looking for healing, and we're all looking to be cured. We're all looking to get well. The difference is, in church, sometimes we can fall guilty to the fact that we're all sick, but we're all pretending to be okay. Okay, and that's really what this series is going to do. It's going to take the lid off of that and have us actually accept and admit the fact that we're all here and that all, we're all working basically to be improved. Now, I want my church to change me. I want my church to change me radically. You know, if this is it's a spiritual uh, hospital, if you like, I don't want to come here for a cosmetic surgery to have a couple of wrinkles done around my eyes. I want a major heart operation. That's what I'm looking for in this place, is for my heart to be changed with major heart surgery. And I believe that if you are in the right church, and your church is doing what it's supposed to do, and it's preaching and it's teaching God's truth, that you are going to feel challenged sometimes to not remain the way that you are right now. God loves you. God loves you for who it is that you are. But God loves you so much, he doesn't want you to stay the way that you are right now. God wants you to learn to grow in him. So I believe that if you're in the right church, you're going to feel challenged and you're going to feel convicted to make some choices that are not necessarily easy or comfortable to make. But they are necessary uh, for you to actually grow, to become the person that God designed and desires you to be. So this series is not about judging anyone. It's not about us looking at ourselves. It is about us looking at ourselves honestly and recognizing where it is that we need to work on ourselves and recognizing things that need to change. It's not a series for us to stand up and point the finger, as we've established already. So far, I'm the only hypocrite in the room. So I'm not going to stand here and point the finger at anybody at all. That's not the idea. We want you, during the course of this series, to feel convicted. We don't want you to feel condemned. Never does anybody stand on this stage and speak to anybody to make them feel guilty or bad about anything or to make you feel condemned. But we do aim to have the Holy Spirit convict us, which just gives us a gentle tug, if you like, and reminds us that we're not perfect and that we do need to change. So today, to kick off the series, we're going to be taking a look under the surface in our lives. And that's the title of our message today, Under the Surface. So first things first, if we're going to be spending the next few weeks talking about hypocrisy and looking at being a hypocrite, let's, uh, we need to set it all up first off by finding out exactly what a hypocrite is. And we also need to establish as individuals whether or not we are actually hypocritical. Because after all, we don't want to be spending the next few weeks going over some information that really doesn't apply to us. Amen? So the definition of a hypocrite, to start off with, is this. It's a noun. It's a person who feigns some desirable or publicly approved attitude, virtues, moral or religious beliefs, principles, etc., that he or she does not actually possess. So it's somebody who pretends to have certain beliefs that they don't actually have especially one whose private life, opinions or statements belie his or her public statements. In other words, you might say in public, I believe in this, I believe in that, I stand for this, or I stand for that. But your private life may speak the exact opposite. You may say, I don't believe that this is right, but you may go ahead and go do that in your own private life. That makes you a hypocrite. Now, it comes from the actual source of the word. It's from the Greek Hippocrates, which is a stage actor, someone who pretends to be what he is not. And in Greek times, an actor was not the same way as an actor that we know now. An actor, as we know now, ordinarily, is playing one role in a theatre or in a movie. So that actor plays one role. Back then, these Hippocrates, these actors, were actually stage actors that were a one-man show, effectively, and they had a row of different masks that they would lay down on the stage. And they would play all of the roles in a play. So as they're being one character, they would bend down, they would pick up a mask, 
They would perform as that character with one voice. They would put it down. They would pick up another mask, and they would then respond in that conversation with a different voice. So it would be an actor who would be putting on all of these different faces. And that's where we get this uh, hypocrite from, because basically, if we're being a hypocrite, we're putting a face on. We're being one thing, when in reality, behind the mask, we're actually something completely different. So... I'm not going to stand here as I tell you, as I said, and tell you that you are a hypocrite. But I'm going to try and help you to discover for yourself whether or not you are. Okay, now I'm a firm believer church should be fun. Fun? Fun, even. I went all strong English there on you. Fun. It should be fun. So, church should be fun. Amen? Okay, all right. So, what we're going to be doing is, I've done something a little different. Uh, I'm going to be doing a quiz right now, okay? Church should not be boring. It's supposed to be fun. Uh, and this, is, this quiz is just to help you to discover if, like me, you are a hypocrite. If, like me, you are a hypocrite. And here's how we're going to do this. Here's the rules of engagement for this game. Anything perfect is always given a score of 10 out of 10. So I am going to give you 10 points. So right now you have 10 points. Right now you are perfect. Congratulations. So you have these 10 points. Now during the course of these next few questions, it's going to be over very quickly, uh, but you are going to be following instruction. In your head, I want you to keep a running total of what your score is. Okay? I'm not going to call anybody out, I promise you. I'm not going to ask anybody what the score is at the end of these questions. It's all between you and God. So I would just ask for you mentally to keep a score in your brain as we're going along. And please answer all questions honestly. Good luck. First question is a gimme. This is a gimme. All right? So it's dead easy. First question. We're instructed in the Bible to love our neighbor. Have you ever instead murdered someone that lived in the house next to you? Have you instead murdered someone that lived in the house next to you? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, deduct one point. Okay? Now, word to the wise. If the person next to you just said, dang it, nine points already, you need to be very nice to them for the rest of the service. Okay, next question. Question two. Have you ever told someone not to do something and then gone ahead and done it yourself? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, deduct one point. Okay, question three. Have you ever judged someone for something they are doing that you think is wrong? So you think that someone is doing something wrong. Have you ever judged them for that? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, deduct one point. Question four. Have you ever told someone that you disagree with something and would never do it? when in reality you do that thing yourself? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, deduct one point. Final question. Have you answered no to every question so far? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, deduct one point and pray for forgiveness. Okay, so now you've got this number in your head of where we're at. Okay, if you still have ten points, congratulations. You are perfect. You do not need to listen to this series over the next few weeks. In fact, you are excused to leave church right now. And you don't have to come back until September the 7th. Congratulations. So we'll just give everybody a moment to leave. Okay. All right, so the point of that whole thing is this. Now we know. Now we all know. Now we're aware whether or not we have the occasional attack of hypocrisy. If your score was less than 10, say after me, I am a big hypocrite. Suddenly, I don't feel quite so alone. That's awesome. All right, so now all the people, uh, the perfect people have left. Uh, we can all get real, yes? All right, so this series is going to have us look at ourselves with a dose of reality. It's going to have us examine ourselves, and it's going to challenge us to change. Now, it's not going to necessarily challenge us to change how we appear to be, but it is going to challenge us on who we actually are on the inside. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Sorry, a couple of years ago, Molly's mum and dad asked me to go over uh, to their house and actually help to clean out their lake at the back of the house. They live in a subdivision, as a lot of subdivisions are these days. They have a, a man-made lake in there. And their house backs right up to the lake, to the point where they've actually got a deck at the back. And from the deck, you can actually cast a fishing line, and you can actually fish into uh, their lake. But they had a bunch of reeds right at the edge of the lake there, so they asked me to go and to, uh, to clear them out. So I got myself one of these real nice um, brown body-length waterproof suit things where the boots come up to here and tight and waterproof and everything else. You know it looks really bad when your wife tells you it looks really bad. 
I mean, if, you can't, if your wife doesn't give you any support, you know that you're ugly, innit? Um, so that's uh, where I was at with a big hat. And so I went over there, and I cleared out the weeds uh, at the edge. Uh, it didn't take me too long. And I stood back in the bank, and I looked out at the lake, and everything looked beautiful from the bank. It was smooth as glass. The water was lovely. Nice, bright, sunny day. Uh, and it looked completely perfect on the surface. But I stepped out a yard into the lake, and there was a mass of stuff under the surface. There were weeds that had been growing and gotten all tangled up together. There were pieces of concrete. There were metal pipes. There was just a whole lot of rubbish that had been built up over the years. And that meant that the water was not anywhere near as perfect as it looked from the outside. And there was no way that you could fish in there. Even though the lake had been stocked specifically to be a fishing lake, all of the weeds and the stuff in the water was preventing the lake from being used for what it was intended. Now, isn't that a lot like us as people? Things often look real good on the outside, but inside there is a whole lot of garbage that's built up over the years that's preventing us from fulfilling what it was that we were created for and intended for. And more often than not, being a hypocrite is not something that we do to be malicious, nor is it something that we do deliberately just to be fake for the sake of being fake. It is because of insecurities that we carry or it's because of previous hurts and life experiences that make us feel unworthy compared to other people. So I want to take a few moments today just to set up this series and look at the way that hypocrisy shows itself in us, why it is that we're all hypocritical, and how we can do something about it. So from one hypocrite to another, does that all sound okay? Jolly good. Right, hypocrisy will manifest itself. It will show itself in many different ways. But the root of, root of hypocrisy in us tends to be one of two things. We either do not like who it is that we are, or we don't like who we are supposed to be. Either we're trying to be someone that we're not because we don't like who it is that we actually are, or we're pretending to be somebody else that we need to be at that point in time, but we're at our happiest being somebody else in reality. Either way, that is an exhausting way to live. I find it tiring enough being one person, amen, not being two or three. So what we need to learn and what hopefully this series is going to teach us all is that God created us to be us. God loves who it is that we are and who we are destined to become and that we need to really, truly grab a hold of that and live that on a day-to-day basis. And I'm going to come back to that thought shortly. Firstly, though, let's take a look at the way that hypocrisy shows itself in our lives. I want to touch on three ways that hypocrisy has reared its ugly head in each and every one of us at some time or another. First one is this, judging. Judging others is one of the most common ways that we can find ourselves being hypocritical. It's one of the things that we dislike most for other people to do. And yet it's one of the things that we can so easily end up doing ourselves. Judging and condemning others is not good. It's unfair, it's self-righteous and arrogant, and it's something that each and every one of us does to some degree or another. And again, I'm absolutely including myself in this. Judging is something that we have no right to do, and it's something that we are instructed clearly not to do. Let me show you this scripture, Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this is a scripture that most of you will recognize, and it's a scripture that's used a lot when we're talking about giving of any kind. But we also use it when we're speaking about tithes and offerings. Jesus is preaching this, and that message is quite clear. You know, give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So it's always used in the context of giving. What you might not know, that is a scripture directly that comes before that, This is what Jesus is talking about regarding what will come back to you in the same measure that you use. And here's the scripture. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So whether we judge or forgive... The amount that we do that thing is the amount by which we in turn will be judged or forgiven. So the more that we judge people, the more we in turn will be judged. The more we forgive people, then the more in turn we will be forgiven. 
And that right there is reasonably enough to not judge others. Amen? So just in case we manage to skip over that part of the scripture and not take notice of it, coming right up a few verses later, Jesus spells it out loud and clear again for us. Luke 6, 41 and 42. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that's in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that's in in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. In some translations, the word log is used instead of plank. Jesus is making the point here that we're quick to find the smallest of faults with other people, and yet at the same time, we're carrying this massive tree trunk of our own flaws around with us that we completely fail to see. And you see for yourself, Jesus uses the word hypocrite there to describe those that judge other people. If you judge somebody, does it automatically make you a hypocrite? It absolutely does, because none of us are perfect. All of us have things that we can all be judged for. So by judging somebody else, it means that we're being a hypocrite. And the last piece of scripture I want to show you on the topic of judging is written by Paul in the book of Romans. Every version puts this point across really well, but I want to look at this in the message today. Romans 2, verses 1 through 4. This is very impactful. It says this, every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. But God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through all such smokescreens and holds you to what you've done. You didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your fingers at others, you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down on you hard? Or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he'd let you off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. What a great thought that is. In his kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into radical life change. God is a good God. He's a kind God. He's a forgiving God. He's a merciful God, but he is not a soft God. And when you judge others, you in turn are being judged. But he is there with his hand, ready to firmly take you and lead you to a radical life change. I just think that's an awesome, awesome thought. So it's pretty clear, I'd say, that God does not want us to judge other people. Amen? Right. Everyone still love me? Jolly good. I've got two yeses. That works for me. I'll take two yeses to that. All right, I just want to finish off uh, by uh, talking about judging, by uh, just reading a quote here that I actually read for the first time uh, earlier this week, Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe it was. Um, Coincidentally, I just read it on somebody's Instagram post, and it says this, Billy Graham. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. What an awesome quote. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. I love that. And now I just have to live it all the time. Amen? So the second way that hypocrisy can display itself is in the area of jealousy. Jealousy. Now this is another area that we don't like to talk about as being something that we actually suffer from. Someone once said to me a long time ago, many years ago, they said, Pete, people want you to get ahead. They just don't want you to get ahead of them. And sadly, I've found that to be true on a lot of occasions. We can all genuinely want people to do well for themselves, and we definitely enjoy watching people succeed in things. But do we all do quite as well watching people do better than we're doing? Or becoming more successful than we are? The dreaded green eye can creep upon us in every walk of life. We could be jealous of somebody's house, their spouse, their car, their job, a promotion or a pay rise they got, or even someone's position or responsibility at church. And again, we can want someone to be blessed by God, just not more blessed than we are. Jealousy is dangerous, and it can be consuming, and it definitely will cause damage in relationships and friendships. Look what James has to say about jealousy or envy. James 3:16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Short and sweet. We have to be very careful if we find ourselves feeling jealous of someone or in any situation like that. The feeling of envy, it can lead us to make choices that are not healthy for us. 
It can lead us to say things about others to undermine them or their authority. Anything that is selfish in our nature is blind to other people and the impact that we can have on them. The words we speak through envy can absolutely cause confusion about people or situations and can cause real damage in people's lives. Jealousy can lead us, if we're not careful, to be guilty of one of the most hypocritical things that we can do. We can be nice to somebody's face and then horrible about them behind their back. This much I know. I am nobody to judge God on who and who, he, who he's going to bless and who he's not going to bless. If God blesses somebody other than me with something, I am going to be happy for them. Being jealous of them is not going to take their blessing away from them. What it's going to do is prevent God from being able to bless me. Okay. All right, so the third way that hypocrisy can show itself in us is this. Justification. Justification. Justification of the choices that we make in life is a common human trait. And it's very easy for us to justify things away and to minimize the harm that they are doing to us or to other people. Let me start off here by saying this. I don't want anybody to start feeling guilty about a sin in their lives that they're not feeling guilty about right now. So if you're sitting there and you've justified away a a sin in your life, it's not my role to make you feel guilty. It's not my intention to make you start making you feel guilty or bad about that sin in your life that you're justifying away, maybe to yourself or maybe to other people. But what I am saying is this. Through that justification of sin or denial of sin, it's unhealthy for you and it's affecting your relationship with God. If you have a sin that's going on in your life right now that you've justified away, that you think is okay, that you think God is allowing, God is not allowing that. You're making the choice to actually have that in your life. And it is affecting you, and it's affecting your relationship with the Lord. 1 John 1 verse 8 says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And we need to understand that if we justify sin away, we're effectively fooling ourselves that is not actually sin. The great news is this, though. The very next verse of the Bible tells us this. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we actually recognize that we have sinned and that we confess that sin to the Lord, he will forgive us and he will cleanse us. And then, just to remind us, to hammer it home, the next verse says this. 1 John 1.10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So that truth sandwich sums it all up for us. We are all sinners, but God will forgive us if we sin, and we confess those sins. But if we say we've not sinned, then we're calling God a liar. And I, for one, do not want to call God a liar. Amen? All right, so we can justify away our sins in lots of different ways. I know that some of these things I've said in my life, and I'm sure some of these will ring true with you. We justify our actions away with phrases like this. It's not really a sin because it doesn't specifically say not to do this in this particular way in the Bible. All right, or it's not really sin because God knows my heart. That's a dodgy, dodgy one. God does know your heart, and trust me, God knows it's sin, okay? It's sin, but it's not as bad as the bad a sin as other people do. So I'm a sinner, but he's a worse sinner than I am. It's sin, but it could be a lot worse. It's sin, but I'm going to stop as soon as X happens. As soon as God blesses me with this, or as soon as God does this for me, or as soon as, you know, there isn't a Y in the day, or as soon as something happens, then I'm going to stop that sin. Or how about this one? It is sin, I know it's sin, but I'm going to stop on January 1st as part of my New Year resolutions. Okay? All of those things are there to justify sin away. But we need to be very, very careful. I need you to understand this. Sin is sin is sin. And just like we're all hypocrites, we're all sinners. And again, I'm including myself in this. I'm preaching to myself. We can't improve if we don't accept that we're flawed. Amen? Because if we don't accept we're flawed, by definition, what we're saying is, I'm perfect. And if I'm saying I'm perfect, there is no room for improvement. So I'm not going to be motivated to improve. 
by admitting that we're flawed, by admitting that we're sinners, by admitting that we have things in our life that we need God to work on, that's the only way that we can actually move forward and become who it is that God wants us to be. So judging, jealousy, and justification are just three of the things that are displayed by a hypocrite. So you may be sitting there right now and saying, okay, Pete, I admit I'm a hypocrite sometimes. I admit that I've been guilty of some of those things on occasion. But what harm is there in it really? What damage can a little hypocrisy do? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you. Your testimony, your teaching, your tolerance will all be damaged if you remain hypocritical. Let me explain what I mean. Your testimony is under threat all of the time that you are living a hypocritical life. Now, I did not say that your testimony is under threat as long as you live an imperfect life. I said a hypocritical life. There is a huge difference. I could be leading a life in which I have a struggle or a bondage. But I could be open and honest about that struggle or bondage in my life. And what that could do is actually help me, qualify me, to be able to give somebody else advice who's got that same bondage or same struggle. It can qualify me, put me in a better position than other people to be able to say to that person, you know, I know how you feel. I felt exactly the same way. I've suffered exactly the same thing. But let me tell you what God did for me in my life. So I'm qualified better by having that bondage, but I'm being open about the bondage. I'm being open about the struggle. I'm being transparent. If, however, I am living a life of hypocrisy, if I'm saying that one thing is true about me but the opposite is the case, or if I'm denying that I have any struggle or any bondage, if that struggle or bondage gets discovered, it means that everything I do and say from that point forward will be brought into question. Everything. Not just the area that we're talking about. And that's not necessarily fair, but it is the case. And therefore, my testimony is damaged. If I don't confess to you, or if I'm not open to you, if I have a bondage in my life right now, and I say to you, I'm clean, I'm pure. I have no bondage, I have no struggle, I have no issue. And then one of you finds out that I do have a bondage. And then you go and tell somebody else. And then that person says to you, oh, Pete's preaching on Sunday. You're going to be quite right to say, I don't believe a word that man says. You understand? So my life could be exactly the same. I could have a struggle. I could have a bondage. But if I'm open and transparent about it, it doesn't damage my testimony. It might even help my testimony. If I keep it quiet, I say one thing is one thing and I'm actually the other. If I'm hypocritical, it can absolutely damage my testimony. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So my teaching will also be damaged by a life of hypocrisy, because I'm going to feel uncomfortable teaching about uh, things to people, about the right thing to do in a certain area, if in fact I'm doing the wrong thing in that area of my life. So my teaching is going to be negatively affected if I'm living a hypocritical life. If I have just justified away the sin that's in my own life, I'm not likely to be able to correct somebody I know that's doing the very same thing. I'm not going to, give, uh, I'm not going to want to sound like a hypocrite, even if I actually am. A hypocrite. So if there's an area in my life which again is not right, then it's going to stop me from teaching in that area. People need guidance. People need instruction. People need accountability. People need to be taught what is right and what is wrong. And leading a hypocritical life is going to make you feel unqualified to do any of that. Let me make something completely clear. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. And whether you're doing right or doing wrong, it doesn't change whether that thing is right or wrong. You have to teach what is right. You have to teach what is right. Now, if you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, and you're not teaching your kids to not do that because you don't want to be hypocritical, you have to teach your kids not to do that. If you don't want to be a hypocrite about doing something... If you're doing something in your life and you don't feel that you can broach the subject with your kids because you don't want to be a hypocrite, you need to teach your kids not to do it. And if you don't want to be a hypocrite about it, don't stop teaching. Stop doing what it is that you're doing. If, that's, if, if, it's the, if being a hypocrite is stopping you from teaching, I'm not judging you. If you've got something going on in your life and you don't want to teach your kids about it because it's going on in your life... Don't worry about it going on in your life. If you know it's wrong, teach your kids it's wrong. 
even if you're still doing it. That's not ideal, but that's what makes you a hypocrite. But if you don't want to be a hypocrite, if you don't want to sound like a hypocrite, don't avoid the situation and not teach your kids it's wrong. Stop doing what you're doing and teach your kids what is right. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. All right, and let me qualify this as well. This is something I'm very, very passionate about. And I'm passionate about it for this reason. I've got an 18-year-old stepson, I've got a 12-year-old stepson, and I've got a, a baby boy who's one year old. I'm 46 years of age, and there is very little that you could write down on a list of things not to do that I haven't done. There is very little. And I'm not being dramatic. I'm talking about drugs. I'm talking about sex outside of marriage. I'm talking about pornography. I'm talking about you name it, I've done it. Now, does that mean I'm not going to teach Scotty or Kobe or Elijah what's right and what's wrong? You better believe that I'm going to be teaching them what's right and what's wrong. If I teach Kobe about not using pornography at 12 years of age because I used pornography when I was a teenager, if I teach him not to do it, it doesn't make me a hypocrite. It makes me a good parent. So we have to teach our kids whether it is that we're doing wrong, whether it is that we used to do wrong. We can't not cover that subject with our kids just because we don't want to feel like a hypocrite. We have to teach our kids what is right and what is wrong. Lastly, your tolerance will be affected by hypocrisy. The more sin that you have in your life, the more desensitized you become to sin. The more that you think that sin is okay the more tolerant of sin you will become. Things that should offend, upset or convict you won't. So your tolerance can be affected. It's not a good situation for you. And it's not a good thing for those people in your life that need you to teach or guide them. And I'm not talking about being tolerant of people. We all need to be tolerant and patient with people. We're called to do so. Everybody needs your tolerance and your patience. That's people. But we cannot ever be tolerant of sin. Because God is not tolerant of sin. God is forgiving of sin. God is not tolerant of sin. God does not enjoy seeing sin in your life, but he will forgive you for that sin that's in your life. So the more that sin that's in your life, the more desensitized you will become to it, the less you will see the sin in your life. And the opposite is true. You know, I had more sin in my life before I was saved. Then I, was, then I became saved, and there were certain things that in my lifestyle completely changed immediately that I stopped doing. So I had, officially, I have less sin in my life. But let me tell you this, the closer I get to the Lord, the more sin in my life I actually see. The more sin in my life I actually see. And you know, Paul says the very same thing. Paul, throughout uh, his uh, epistles in the New Testament, he actually writes on several occasions that he, uh, he is a sinner. And at the end, the, the, one of the last things he says is, in, in some translations it says, I'm the chief of sinners. In other translations it says, I'm the foremost sinner. And that basically means that, it, from his perspective, we read and we think that what it means is that he is saying, I'm the worst sinner of all. Now, that's not the truth, because the actual translation means that I am foremost, I was first a sinner. What he's effectively saying is, is that uh, throughout his whole life, before he was saved, he was a sinner, but now once he's saved, he is still a sinner. And the further he gets along in his life, the more close he gets to the Lord, the more he realizes just how much of a sinner he was and how much of a sinner he really still is right now. And the closer that you get to the Lord, the more sin you will see in your life. The more sensitive to sin you will become in your life. And that's exactly how God wants us to be, because you're being shaped from the inside. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. And it's that, when that conviction which will then make you recognize it and make you want and desire to stop having that sin in your life. So God is forgiving of sin, but he's not tolerant of it. So we've learned what hypocrisy will bring out in us. And we've learned some of the damage that hypocrisy will do to us and in our lives. So I want to wrap up now by looking at why it is that we're hypocritical and what we can do about it. I am a big hypocrite. Why? Well, there are lots of reasons why we fall into the trap of being hypocritical. And I'm not going to look at all of them. But one of the biggest reasons is because we want to conform. We want to be what we think we're supposed to be. We want to fit in. We want people to like us. We want to feel accepted. And these are not necessarily human traits as much as they are cultural traits. 
Culture and society has become incredibly good at telling us what it is that we're supposed to be like. And it's also society and and culture can be incredibly cruel when we don't conform to those rules, to what it is that, that they think they are telling us we're supposed to be. Society has formed and shaped our ideas of what's acceptable, of what's cool, of what's uncool, what is okay and what is not okay. Culture is now telling us these things. Culture is telling us it's okay. I mean, again, I'm not picking on anything, and this is my opinion that I'm going to voice to you right now. I saw a commercial for the first time two days ago. I can't even remember the name of the company. Just as well, I suppose, because I don't want to get done for slander or whatever. But there's a, a commercial for beef burgers on TV with two attractive ladies in, almost in, bikinis on the hood of a car. I don't know if any of you have seen it or not, but I see that now and I just think, that's incredible. How, firstly, what does that have to do with a beef burger? (laughs) And secondly, I don't care how good looking you are or how, you know, little you're actually dressed, get off my chips. I mean, it's my burger and chips, don't be taking the, one of them's taking one of them off the other and dipping it in some tomato ketchup on the hood of the car. Anyway, my point is this. Society has told us it's okay for two scantily clad ladies to sit on the hood of a car and sell us beef burgers. That's what society is telling us. Now, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and I'm not being a prude. I'm not being a prude. Trust me, I've seen images far worse than that. But what I'm saying to you is it's okay now. Society is telling us that it's okay for Kobe, my 12-year-old, to sit in TV and watch these two ladies sitting on the hood of a car in bikinis, eating fries and a burger. And that's just one example of what society is telling us is okay. Now, if I'm to stand up and speak about that and to point that out and say, you know what, that's wrong, then people are going to shoot me down. People are going to say to me that, that, you know, well, you're just a stick in the mud. You've got to move with the times. All of these phrases and things. We have to stand for what we believe is right and what we believe is wrong. And I'm standing and saying, I believe that that's wrong. I believe that culture is shaping us in the wrong fashion. And if I've offended anybody with that, I apologise. It's not my intention. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Okay, so James 12, uh, verse 2, says this. Romans, sorry, Romans 12, verse 2, says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we're not supposed to become confirmed, conformed to the world. We are supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to be, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So we are supposed to be different. And people should see you as being different. You know, in your workplace, as an example, you should be different from the majority of people. Anybody there that is not saved, that does not know Jesus Christ, you're to be different to them. You're to act differently, speak differently, do differently. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about go there and then cut your barbell to pieces and stick all the pages around on the office wall. I'm not talking about going to the boss and demanding that you have a 15-minute prayer session you know, every morning before work. I'm not saying those things. What I'm saying is the way you carry yourself, the way you conduct yourself, should all be different from the norm. I used this as an example earlier on, and I'll, and I'll tell it uh, to you as well. The last job I had before I worked here at the church, I was working for a lending company. My whole, my whole working life, I've worked in finance. And I worked for a lending company for three months. And <clears throat> whilst I was there, I mean, just in conversation, it came to light that, you know, I was involved with church, I was heavily involved with church. No one knew the, 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 the true, necessarily, extent of how involved that I was or that I had, you know, hopes. And my prayer was to be in full-time ministry, that no one knew of those things about me. But the way that I carried myself and conducted myself, the way that I spoke and the way that I didn't speak set me apart a little from everybody else that was there. And I remember, I mean, the, the, the split was probably 50-50, maybe 60-40, slightly more women in the place than there were men. And I remember one time we had a meeting and the regional manager was there, um, probably, as I say, about 20 people in, in, in total around the conference table. And a regional manager was there. And, and lending, finance in general, it's a very stressful world to be in uh, for anybody. I mean, it's very stressful for those people in, who were working in my position for th- where I was for three months. But the higher up the ladder you go, the bigger the stress. Amen? And so the regional manager, he was a little under stress, and things were not going according to plan, according to his plan. Um, so he got a bit heated during the course of the meeting. He didn't know me very well at all, but he knew of me. 
And during the course of the meeting, he dropped the F-bomb just because of his frustration and anger. So as I said, 20, 25 people there. Over half of them were women. He drops the F-bomb. And then he stops, he pauses for thought, he turns, he looks at me and he says, I'm sorry, Pete. And then he carried on. So he apologised to me for dropping the F-bomb. He ignored all the ladies that were in the room and just said, apologise to me. Now my point is this, why did he do that? Because he knew that that offended me. He knew that that, not because I'd ever said cursing offends me. I had never said that in any way. I'd never corrected anybody for cursing. It's not my position to go around telling everybody you know, that's how, we, that's how we switch people off from the Lord. It's not how we attract people to the Lord. All right, so I'd never done any of that. But because of how I conducted myself, people saw that I was different. And so they treated me different. I say all of that to tell you. That's how it should be for you. You should be being recognized. It's a good thing that you're different from the people in there. Don't feel bad about it. Don't fake it out. Don't be joining in with the guys when they're cursing if that's not who it is that you really are. Just so that your face fits. Your face is not supposed to fit. You're not supposed to conform to the world. Amen? All right, so we're not to be conformed to the world. We are to be different. And we're not to allow society to actually shape us. But sadly, as I said, society and culture in general is trying to form us and has shaped us. And it's now trying to show us and tell us what it is that's right and what it is that's wrong. And even more sad than that, some churches and religions have done the very same thing in a different way. Sometimes in a worse way. They have taken the truth... And they've warped it. They have taken God's message of grace, mercy and forgiveness and they've stripped it down to portray our God as cruel, harsh and judgmental. And in doing so, these churches and religions have become intolerant, judgmental and cruel. And all of that has led us as individuals to become cynical. I was on the way home the other evening and I was listening to, to, sometimes I tune into a Christian network. They have different preachers and things on there. And at this particular time, it was a call-in show. Two uh, pastors, uh, one in California, one in Hawaii, I believe, but they're on the end of a telephone. And for an hour, the general public can call in and just put to them and post to them any biblical questions. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting stuff, and you always learn something from there. But this lady called in. She said, uh, Pastor, I wonder if I can have you help in your guidance. And the pastor said, yes. She said, she said, I'm a bit unsure as to whether or not my church is the right place for me to be. He said, okay. In what way? She said, well, my pastor stood up on Sunday and said that uh, he believed that Jesus was not the only way uh, to the Lord. Jesus was not the only way to heaven. And uh, they're taking names right now to perform ceremonies for uh, homosexual marriages. Um, so the pastor on the end of the phone said, uh, don't darken those doors again. Don't go back to that church is my advice to you. And it's not because of the homosexual marriages per se. It's the fact that the preacher has warped the truth. Jesus is the only way to the Lord. Let me just tell you that and fill that gap for you. If there's any doubt in your mind whatsoever and you take nothing else away from this message, just understand that Jesus is the only way to the Lord. It's the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way. He is the only way. But my point is this. Some churches are warping the truth. Some churches are actually making people very, very cynical. If I was that woman, I'd be thinking, you know what? church can't trust church and there are people out there who are like that because of the way that church has treated them in the past so all of that has led us to individuals those individuals to become cynical a lot of people here may be be guarded and you know it's led people to have an incorrect idea of who it is that we're supposed to be in each and every area of our lives including you know at church who it is that was supposed to be at home who was supposed to be at work and who was supposed to be at church and so that causes us to be hypocritical. We'll try and fit in. People want to be accepted. We all want to feel accepted. But here's the rub. We all want to feel accepted for who it is that we are. For who it is that we really are. Now at this church, we firmly believe that if you are in the right church, you will feel safe, you will feel secure, you will feel loved, and you will feel welcomed for who you really are. You will feel accepted for who it is that you really are. Now, there are many people at this church, I know, because I've spoken to them personally, who feel completely accepted for who it is that they actually are as people. There are people here who have been open, who have been transparent, who have shared things with us, who have got bondages, who have got issues. We all have them. The difference is some people open up to them, other people don't. 
But there are people here in this room right now that I can tell you who feel accepted for who it is that they really are. But I also know that there are some people in this room right now who do not feel accepted in this church for who you really are. Now, you don't feel not accepted in this church for who you really are because we haven't accepted you. You feel that way because as yet, we don't know who you really are. We don't know who you really are because you are guarded, because of things that have gone on in the past, because of other churches. But I want to assure you, I want to give you my personal promise that we are here to help you, to love you, to accept you for who it is that you actually are. And every person on this stage is exactly the same from the same culture, from the same DNA. And Pastor Philip's heart is that, that every single person in this place feels accepted and feels loved for who it is that you actually are. Instead of feeling comfortable to be ourselves, many people here, we all have put a front on to pretend that we're something that we're not. So much so that we've actually lost sight of who it is that we actually are. And that's dangerous because you now become even more susceptible to being moulded and changed by society. You're even more desperate to actually become accepted and liked. And so you will listen to people who will tell you, you know, you are this or you should be that or you shouldn't be this. And more importantly than that, we've lost sight of who we are in God. We need to reconnect with who it is that God created us to be. That's the only way that we're actually going to be in a comfortable position or in a position where we can actually break this this bondage of hypocrisy, if you like. And if we truly grasp that, if we truly understand who it is that we are in the Lord, who we actually are under the surface, and not who we believe ourselves to be, not who somebody else tells us to be, then we will not have to prove ourselves or excuse ourselves to anybody. Social media is not, again, necessarily a bad thing per se, but we have put our identity in what it is that other people are telling us about ourselves. If I asked you to write a list of whose opinion counted, whose opinion mattered to you, I would fully expect you to have your spouse on there. And that's not a bad thing. Your best friend, the people at church, your Facebook friends maybe. But if you write that list down in order, somewhere in that list you might say God's opinion of me. Might be in the list. Sadly, the truth is this. A lot of people who wrote that list would put God at the bottom of the list as an afterthought. And here's what we all need to do, each and every one of us. We need to take that list and we need to turn it upside down. And we need to put God at the very top. Because I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this in all sincerity. And again, with no offense intended. Every person in this room, I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what you think of me. You can say what you like about me. I know who I am in Christ. The Lord knows who it is that I am. And I don't say that dismissively. I don't say that, as I said, to offend anybody. But if I post a post on Facebook, if I post a picture on Facebook and I get 50 likes for that picture on Facebook, I'm not bouncing up and down and jumping around the room because 50 people like me. 50 people don't like me. 50 people liked my picture. If also I put a picture on Facebook and I get no likes on that picture, I'm not offended because it doesn't mean that nobody likes me. It means that nobody liked the photograph. But we are swayed now. There are many people, and again, especially the teenage generation, again, not criticism of anybody, but I know in our house there is occasionally excitement that somebody's broken 250 likes on a picture or something or another. Okay? But that, as I said, that's not who it is that we need to be answering to. It's not who we need to be looking to to shape what it is that we're doing right and what it is that we're doing wrong. We need to basically be in a position where the most important opinion and relationship that we have is that of Lord God. Amen? All right, so if we don't have to prove ourselves or we don't have to excuse ourselves to anyone anymore, if we have that, that, that grasp that we know who it is that we are in the Lord and we're not caring anymore about what people think, it means this. We don't need to be to pretend anymore that we're somebody that we're not. It means we don't have to be hypocritical anymore. It means that we can be completely transparent. It means that we are free to live life as one person, the real person, the real us. It means that we can acknowledge and understand that that one person that we are will not be perfect. It means that that one person that we are will have things, issues, challenges, maybe bondages and baggage 
that we may feel unsure about ourselves, that we may feel insecure about ourselves, that we may be a little bit concerned about who it is or what what it is that people think of us. But we will know one thing. You will know one thing that will counteract all of that. God loves you. God loves you. That is what you will know. And that supersedes and knocks, knocks out every other thing, every other opinion. What does it matter if no one likes me? God loves me. What does it matter if you are not the most popular person in Facebook world? God loves you. What does it matter if you have things going on in your life? Challenges, bondages, things that you're struggling with right now. Things that you don't want to confess to anybody else because you're frightened of how they will judge you. God loves you. God loved you before you were created. He knew you before you were created. He knitted you together. He weaved you together in your mother's womb. He loved you then. He loved you right up until now. He loves you now with everything that's going on in your life. And he will love you until you draw your last breath on the face of this earth. So if you take nothing else today, this whole message has just been to set up this series about being a hypocrite. But the one thing this has all been leading to is that three-word phrase. And it's not a throwaway comment. It's not cliche. It's not something that you're not to take to heart. It's something which is absolute truth. God loves you. I want you to be freed today. I want you to become one person today. I want you to understand that being a hypocrite is a waste of energy. It's not required, it's not needed, it's not godly, and it's not what the Lord would have for you in your life. So as I said, all of that, just to say three words. God loves you. Could you stand for me? Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to pray for everybody very, very shortly, but before I do, I just want to as we always do in this house, we always extend an invitation to anybody that doesn't yet know the Lord, doesn't yet know Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour. And all of this, as I said, is very, very important to you, that all of this being a hypocrite and the rest of it, but it all revolves around your relationship with God. The stronger our relationship is with the Lord, then the less important, the less essential those other relationships in our life are. I'm not saying don't have other relationships or other friendships, don't have marriages or relationships of any kind. I'm not saying that at all. They're all very, very important to us. But they should not mould us or shape us as much as the relationship we have with God. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour, I'm going to offer you the invitation right now just to raise your hand if you would do. If you want to get to know him, if you want to be introduced to him, we're all going to pray for you, pray with you, and we're all going to have you uh, just join the Christian family. So if there is anybody here right now that doesn't know the Lord, if you'd be kind enough just to raise your hand for us and we'll just be praying with you. Anybody? Anyone? I'm not going to extend it too long, but if there's anybody here who'd like to know, come to know Jesus, please raise your hand for us. Awesome. It means that everybody here knows the Lord. Amen? So each and every one of us can just build on that relationship, just develop that relationship. Just get to that point where we understand and realise and live the fact that God loves us more than anybody else and he's the only one that we need to listen to as regards who it is that we are. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you so much. We give you all praise. We give you all glory. We thank you for who it is that you are, Lord God. We thank you just for everything about you, God. We just thank you that you are our master, you are our guide, you are our healer, you are our provider, you are our protector. And Lord, I just pray over every person here, and I pray, Lord God, that during the course of this series, each and every person here, including myself, Lord, that we would all learn that we don't need to be more than one person. We just need to be who it is that you created, Lord God. Help us, each and every one of us, to understand from the moment we wake up to the moment we fall asleep at night, Lord God, that during the course of that day, each and every thing that we do, each and every moment during that day, you love us, Lord. And that's all, frankly, that matters. We thank you for that, Lord God. We thank you for all it is that you do. And God, I just thank you for every person that's present here today. I pray blessings upon them. I pray blessings upon the families that they represent. Be with us, Lord, this week as we just go about our business, Father God. And just be with each and every person here and protect them in every journey they take to and from. We love you. And for all the things that take place in this place, we love you and we give you all praise and glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... 
Amen and amen. Hey, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for choosing to be at Heartseas Family Life Church. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Okay, and we look forward to seeing you on Wednesday evening. God bless. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.